And there's the bell. Coming September 29th from the Bosnet family. I started thinking about, like, what if that scene was happening today? Like, you've been in here for five years, but guess what, man? We Sweet Science Cinema, hosted by Hall of Famer Jamil Hemphill and Kush Hayes. We got John Legend. Him and the bearded lady from The Greatest Showman, they're going to be doing a, a jingle for Chrissy Teigen's bake sale. The Hurricane, 1999. I mean, it's just a good song. Don't worry about that, but sweet science cinema. Bernie Sanders is going to dab on the Senate on TikTok. Sweet science cinema. Uh, <laughs> Lil Nas X is going to give Hitler a lap dance. Uh, yeah, it's going <laughs> to... Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer, Jameel Hemphill, Kush Hayes. They made you a Google Doodle. Did you know that? Sweet Science Cinema. Did you know oh, Jeff Bezos donated a thousand wells in your name? Next episode, September 29th, from the Bosnet family. Like, wow, exciting stuff is happening on the outside here. Like, Great. I wish you could see it. <laughs> What's good, y'all? Kush Hayes here. Local by choice, international by nature. No Robin Sato tonight. Normally she's with us. She's got the night off. We got a busy slate ahead of us, so you'll see her again. But uh, joining me today, from all the way from the United Kingdom, he's the director of a little movie called Officer Down. It's currently in the Iron Dragon TV Action Festival. That is still happening up until tomorrow, September 4th. His name is Simon Pierce. Simon, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Dude, thanks for being a part of this. Thank you for getting your schedule and ours linked together. This is exciting. The Iron Dragon Action Fest is happening right now, like I said. Unfortunately, just we got one more day in the festival. You have a movie called Officer Down. It is about a cop who is, his team is trying to quell a riot going on in downtown London or somewhere about that. And then he just Mm -hmm. makes a wrong turn and ends up alone and in a building full of bad guys. It's uh, 18 Glorious Minutes. Tell us about the movie, please. Yeah, so the film actually started with myself and Martin Delaney, the lead actor, talking about doing some sort of action vehicle together. You know, he was keen to do something in that genre and I was keen to do it as well because it's a genre I love and I want to work in it long form. And I was very conscious the last couple of things I'd done had both been horror projects. And so already a couple of times I'd had people say, oh, so you're like a horror guy. And I was like, oh, I'm actually not. You know, I've really enjoyed those films. But yeah, action thriller, that's really what I love. So I wanted to do something to kind of make a stamp in that vein. And Martin was keen to do so as well. So it kind of just started with us thinking about what's a scenario that we could place him in. And then I came up with the idea of this sort of young police officer that was trapped because I wanted to do something that also playing to Martin's strengths where he was a bit of an everyman, you know, it wasn't a case mm-hmm. of, you know, he's ex-special forces or anything like that. So uh, yeah, so the young police officer was the idea. And I worked on the script with uh, the Tommy Draper, the co-writer, but for a while we couldn't really crack the story. We just, or well, I just felt like this is just good guys versus bad guys. It's not as interesting as it could be. And I felt like I needed something else. And then it was the beginning of 2019. I kind of felt like I cracked the final piece of the puzzle, which was the idea that the people he was going after were maybe not who you thought. 
and that they were people that had perhaps unfairly been set upon by, you know, the authorities or the police, or, or certainly that there were people within that group that were not all as complicit as one another and they'd all been kind of tarred with the same brush. And just that idea that things are a bit more in the greys than we might like to think, you know, they're not as black and white as we might think. And that suddenly was more interesting to me, the idea that, yes, there's a policeman in trouble, but at the same time, he's led to question, well, actually, why am I here in the first place? And I've just been, I'm coming to get these people just because I've been told they're bad and I've been told to come and get them. And just coming to understand maybe why they're doing what they're doing and that not all of them, as I said, are maybe as extreme as the other. And that there's elements within that group that are also just following orders or being pushed into do something they don't quite understand. And so he sort of finds a kindred spirit on the other side, as it were. And it's about actually whether they both end up trying to get out together. So so that for me was sort of the missing layer, which when we found that, I was like, yes, okay, now we've We've got a movie. <laughs> is it based on anything specific? Is it is there a real group out there that they're being marginalized this way? Uh, I mean, I know I'm well, from America, I, I mean, so I know nothing about any of this. It was definitely born of kind of you know, um, you know, the beginning of 2019. So we were kind of over in the UK. We were dealing with you know Brexit, and there was a lot of you know there was a lot of controversy around you know immigration, refugees, and that kind of stuff. And I it, it just felt like you know, the country, and actually this is true, I guess, all over the world, you know, people were sort of becoming increasingly divided. And I felt like there was a lot of misinformation and maybe misunderstandings that were happening because people either had misinformation or weren't necessarily willing to listen to the other side of an argument. So I wasn't necessarily trying to come down on any one side of the film, but I just wanted to present underneath the surface of this action movie. I wanted to sort of present that idea that, you know, things might not be what they first appear and that you might need to try and look and listen and understand as to why certain people might be trying to do certain things, you know, to get a sort of better, a better handle on the situation. How do you and Martin Delaney know each other? We, well, we worked together in uh, 2011. We shot a film or 2012. We shot a film called Judas Ghost, which is a horror feature. That was the first time I'd worked with Martin and we got on great. And I thought he was a fantastic actor and he's got a real good range to like, you know, if you people can probably find his show real, like he's really funny, he does a lot of good comedy stuff, but you know, he's done more serious things, he's done like medieval movies, although actually less so action, even though I thought, do you know what, he'd be really good at it. So yeah, we'd been talking on and off ever since then, really. And I actually edited a film he directed called Queen's Mile um, in 2015 or 16, I think. So we'd always had that connection, but we hadn't actually worked together as director and actor since Judas Ghost. So we were talking about doing that anyway. And then this was sort of the perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. The lead quote unquote villain is a Ben Turner. This is a bad mm-hmm. dude. And he's in a lot of real fun stuff. Um, where does he come from? Where do you, how do you hook up with him? So Ben Turner, that was actually a suggestion of um, our producer, Emily Haig. Um, okay. She'd actually worked with him previously and she recommended him for the role. And I sort of knew of him, but I didn't, must admit, I didn't really know his work in great detail. And then I went away and watched Six Days on Netflix, which is the movie about the Iranian embassy, the SAS Iranian embassy siege. And he plays oh, wow. the lead villain. In that, and he was fantastic. And straight away, I was like, oh, my God, this is the guy. And obviously, Emily had that connection. So she approached him with the project. And thankfully, he was open to doing it, which was awesome. I mean, it was intimidating, frankly, to work with him uh, on set because <laughs> you know, I still consider myself fairly new to this. And when it's someone you don't know who's done so much great stuff, you almost think, well, who am I to say to them, oh, maybe do it this way? You know, mm-hmm. but and we didn't actually get a chance to meet beforehand either because he was so busy. Oh. Literally, the first day on set is the first time I met him. Um, oh. So obviously, that was quite intimidating. But he he was lovely and he was so brilliant in the part. And also, mm-hmm. he really 
amplified those you know there's kind of gray areas like i was talking about to make the villain a bit more relatable and mm-hmm. you know he really actually worked on the script there's a big sort of central dialogue scene where the police officer is being held captive and ben's character confronts him and kind of faces him with these things of or with these ideas that do you actually believe in what you're doing or do you even know what you're doing you know we're all here because we believe in something do you and you know a lot of the nuances and a lot of the dialogue in that scene actually came directly from Ben. He really worked closely on that with us. And I think really kind of added another layer to it. When he's on screen, he commands your attention the entire time. You're hanging on every word he's saying, like he is an indomitable oh. presence. And yeah. it's, it's definitely one of the best parts of the film here. Yeah. A little and, bit after we meet yeah. uh, Ben's character, we, we get into some, some fights, man. And tell me about the stunt team. Like how, who'd you work with? Have you worked with them before? Where, where do you come up with the actual two-on-one shots themselves? So that was, um, that was a guy. So our fight coordinator was a guy called Neil Chapelhow and he's an amazing stuntman. He's done some big movies like, you know, Solo and Rogue One um, and uh, Wonder Woman and stuff. So he's, you know, he definitely knows his stuff. And we worked together on my previous short, but only very briefly. We had a gag where someone's hands catch fire. And so him and another guy came along to supervise that. And he loves action movies as well and loves martial arts and all these things. So again, we talked about, we bonded over that and talked about doing something together. And this was just an opportunity to do that. And I've got features I would like to work on Neil with. So I thought, oh, this is a good chance for us to sort of trial it out. And so he designed that central fight sequence and worked with us on it. And um, he also doubled Martin as well, because just coincidentally, he had a similar enough look that he could do that. I mean, it was it was brilliant. It was a great experience. And we rehearsed, you know, we didn't get much of a chance to rehearse the film at all um, just because of people's schedules. But the one thing we were conscious of getting right was the fight scene um, and the action. And so we rehearsed over about three weekends, spread over a couple of months, just where we had full days with Neil and the stunt guys. One of the stunt guys, actually, AD, who um, gets pushed into a pipe in the film, he actually wasn't yes. able to make the rehearsal. So in, you know, to big him up, he actually picked up that choreography on the day. Um, the wow. other guy, Miguel, had one rehearsal day with us. But Martin picked it up like that as well and was really good at adjusting on the day as well. But basically we gave we knew, because obviously action takes time to shoot, so we intentionally, in our five-day shoot, we made it so the final day was just that fight sequence and we just spent the whole day on it. But having rehearsed it was great because we knew exactly where the angles were, what the moves were. So it was so it was probably one of our smoothest shoot days because it was obviously the most worked out. But I was so happy with how that turned out. And Neil's expertise was great. Even in the edit as well, little tricks like, you know, just speed ramping a punch in the last few frames and stuff like that. Just subtle little tweaks that, you know, I didn't know as an editor that just make that much more difference. It was great. <laughs> you mentioned that pipe scene. That thing goes hard, dude. Like it is painful to watch. And is, is yeah. he padded for that? Or did, did you add extra to the editing? Is there an extra sound bite in it? I mean, obviously, it, you know, the sound definitely helps. But no, so what's happened there is we've, uh, uh, for those who've seen the film, it is in the trailer as well. It's actually two shots made to look like one. So Martin uh, pushes him and the camera whip pans out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then AD puts himself in front of the pole and basically just jumps into it and hits his shoulder, which was padded, but it looks like mm-hmm. his head. And then we whip into it and then we stitch the two together and it just looks like one seamless shove <laughs> with the sound effect. It's just fantastic. That always gets a great reaction when we show it to people. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Horror action, which which is easier? Oh, um, they definitely both have their challenges. I feel, 
I would say because action for me is I think I feel like it's more time consuming to shoot the small pieces. So okay. something that is very quick on screen, just in my experience, mm-hmm. takes a lot to break down, do it safely, get the right angles. Whereas I think depending on the horror, it, because it's more about those slow builds, you know, slowly pushing in on a door or something like that, that's easier to stage on the day. But then where that becomes harder is in the edit, getting the timing of that right and the music and the sound mix so that it is as scary as it can be. So it's probably, I feel like it's maybe easier to shoot just from my experience, like action is quite complicated on the day, but I think horror perhaps is a little tougher in the edit to, to get right. Which one's the more satisfying? <laughs> um, do you know what? I mean, okay, I'll say action for me, but I'm biased because I love action. I think horror, it, they're, they're, both, they're both very satisfying. They're like when you execute something you hope is scary and it actually scares people that's the most satisfying thing ever but equally when you shove a guy's head into a pipe and the audience winces that's just a satisfying thing you said you guys started the project you and martin got together in 2019 how long before everything is complete the the pre-production the post edit even down to the here here's the graphic for the poster so that was, um, it was sort of an unintentionally slightly drawn out process because we aimed to shoot summer of 2019. And then we actually lost two locations before we ended up using the one we did. So that oh, kept wow. setting us back. And it actually got to the point uh, where the earliest we could shoot by the time we'd locked the location was going to be like mid-December. So coming up to Christmas, you know, it's cold. You're going to be losing the light. And the location we were in, you know, as you saw, it's this big open warehouse. It was freezing in there. The light was mm-hmm. gone by about three o'clock. So your shooting days are cut in half. Um, and for those reasons, we almost thought, let's push this into the new year. But we worried that if we did that, we would again lose people's schedules with actors and stuff and it wouldn't happen. And thankfully, obviously, with everything that happened in 2020, I'm glad we didn't because it meant that we did get it in the can before any of that happened. So we had the film there. Um, It slowed down post because, um, you know, obviously we weren't necessarily able to get to the grading facility, the same mix place to do all of that until much later in 2020. So it took probably until uh september or october of 2020 before we actually completely finished it it was picture locked Mm -hmm. early summer but then we couldn't do anything else with it for a while um but again emily the producer did a great job coordinating all that and you know uh, films 59 our post house were very accommodating um so yeah it was probably about from when we shot it was just shy of a year probably from start to finish that's insane like guys yeah those listening like making movies is hard yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the location you guys end up did end up at is is that all just one one facility or did you have to move around still because i love the staircase yeah so that was all one we kind of again just knowing the time we would have thought we can't possibly do this in two there was a uh, you'll see when you watch the film that uh, there's two characters that end up on a rooftop at the end and we did think mm-hmm. we might have to have a separate rooftop but thankfully there was actually an area which wasn't the roof outside the main entrance of the warehouse which looked like a roof and we thought okay we can stage it here and do it all in one place um, the big difference with the warehouse is the other two locations we looked at were quite different in that one was a, an abandoned hotel that was falling apart and the other was a, like an office pop. so it was much more claustrophobic in that it was tight corridors lots of different rooms and staircases which is how i'd originally envisaged it and it's funny because each time we lost those places i kept thinking we're never going to find anywhere like that again and then something would come up <laughs> So the warehouse was totally different to what I'd imagined. But what we realized with that is that it was 
suddenly then the film took on a different life because now it's about this lone small officer in these trapped in these big spaces and there was almost something claustrophobic about the fact that he was this little guy in this huge open space and something quite ominous about it so mm-hmm. we kind of turned that to our advantage and there were lots of nice little areas still where he could hide in small rooms or there's that spiral staircase he runs up so we definitely made the most use of the space but it totally changed our approach certainly visually to how we were going to do it was there any stunts you couldn't do like i i, I really feel like at one point someone was supposed to go over the balcony and they just were like yeah we we can't get a pad for that it's not happening <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'd have definitely, it wasn't a plan to put someone in the balcony because even going through a window, I did think was pushing it. But, um, you know, on the, yeah. on the budget we had, we did, there's a, a final shootout that takes place, uh, as you'll have seen with the, with the sort of hero and the villain. That was originally slated to go on longer. There was going to be another guy involved in that shootout uh, and a shotgun that he had and various things. And we had all that lined up on the day. And it was just, as I said, by the time it was light enough in the warehouse to film, it was about nine in the morning. And then it was dark by about three. And Emily likes to say that, you know, rather than shooting this in five, we actually shot it in about two and a half by the time you take into account all the, you know, the daylight hours we actually had. So we got to the point where it was like, we're never going to make the day if we try and get all of that. So I had to make a call about how do we shorten this action sequence? Um, so there was a couple of bits we got cut out. The, the last guy with the shotgun, bless him, I had to go and tell him, sorry, we're actually not going to use you today because we're going to run out of time. And I knew if we started that, we wouldn't be able to finish it. So that was a tough call. But, you know, these are all you know things we can do for another movie. And I will say, actually, the central fight scene, that got very close to being exactly how we choreographed it. But the last guy to die originally came to a much more gruesome end that I won't say because I'm going to keep the idea for another thing. But we did run out of time. So we quickly had to come up with another way to wrap that fight up. So we did. And yeah, I'll just have to bank that idea for a rainy day. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You, you, so based on that, there's is there a longer format of Officer Down? Is there a feature maybe maybe in the works for this? Could you squeeze out 85, 90 minutes out of this? I'd definitely like to. I mean, I'd love to work with all that same cast again. And I think the premise has a lot of legs. I don't know if I would directly adapt the same story, but I think taking that central dynamic of two people pitted against each other, one quite not understanding the other and what his background is or where it comes from, and then someone caught in the middle, like that idea, I will probably take and turn into a feature and then I'll just change probably the backdrop of why it's happening. So, yeah, I think there will be a feature in the works, but not a direct adaptation, something that's heavily influenced by, should we say. Mm-hmm. Are you working on your next thing? Yeah, so I've got, um, I don't know 100% yet what that is. Um, I'm working on two or three different feature ideas um, with a couple of different writers. Um, it would definitely be in the same vein, like tonally and stylistically. That's definitely the thing I want to do next as a feature. Um, mm-hmm. And this was always designed to sort of, make my stamp in that regard uh but the specifics in terms of story and stuff like that i'm not too sure yet and then of course it'll come down to funding and how much money we can raise and all that sort of stuff uh will dictate it slightly but yeah so there's things in the pipeline but nothing concrete just yet what's that thing you're sitting on that's that's going to make people want to go oh shit i can't wait for the next simon pierce thing oh did you know guy Ritchie stole that one shot he did and da 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 like anything you're sitting on maybe the, the 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 dream project that you could work on I mean, I don't know about necessarily a specific dream project, but certainly there's ideas for like set pieces and moments that I have that, you know, there's a good friend of mine, Chris Marshall, that I write with a lot, uh, who did a little bit on Officer Dan as well. And he, we've got key moments and set pieces that have been bouncing around in scripts we've been writing since like 2008. 
uh, and, you know, all kind of actiony stuff. And it's never found it into a film yet, but there's about three of them, I would say, that are definitely destined at some point <laughs> to come off. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't know yet when that will be, but, you know, hopefully soon. We mentioned the present. We talked a little bit about the future. I completely neglected to ask about your past. How do you get started in all this? So I have always been into film really from a very young age. Both my parents um, are in the industry. My mum is a makeup artist and my dad's a camera operator. He was actually a camera Far operator out. on this film. Um, nice. They, So, you know, I naturally had an interest because they would show me stuff that they'd worked on. and You know, I would want to do that. And it's probably when I was about... 10 or 11, just because I was bored, I picked up the family video camera and just made up a film on the spot with a friend of mine uh, and <laughs> shot it and, you know, came up with the story. And it was all in camera. There was no editing or anything. And something about that process, I just instantly fell in love with. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. Um, so from that moment on, I kind of knew I wanted to direct. And then, you know, slowly the projects would become more advanced. And then I remember my mum got a laptop that had iMovie on it and suddenly I could edit. So that was a whole new world to me. You know, and then, yeah, I just kept making films. And I remember writing to various companies when I was in school, like wanting to just start work and get work experience. But of course, for insurance reasons, most companies couldn't take me on until I was 18. So I basically went through my A-levels and sixth form just for the sake of passing time. And then as soon as I was able to go into work, I just took any job I could that would get me on a set. It didn't matter if I was the T-boy or holding the boom or, you know, mm -hmm. running cables, whatever it was. And then I just kept mm -hmm. making my own stuff on the side and, just kind of I guess yeah it just sort of built from there but yeah I kind of I think fairly early on knew hey this is what I want to do and yeah just been doing it ever since <laughs> what's more fun to work on uh it's a, a three three-part choice live television post-produced television or film probably film I think for me okay. uh, and you know I've, I've worked a lot in tv so I, when I'm not directing I'm a freelance editor that's kind of my day job uh so mm -hmm. I've worked a lot on a lot of documentary shows. I do a lot of stuff for like National Geographic and Animal Planet, that kind of thing. And I do enjoy working on all of those things, but my heart will always be in, in drama. And there's just something about the process of film that I just, I just love. So that's ultimately the, the dream is to sort of work on that stuff full time for sure. Simon Pierce is the director. The film is Officer Down. It is currently at the Iron Dragon Action Fest, idtvactionfest.com. The festival ends Saturday, September 4th. I think it lives on the URL still, but just in case it doesn't, you know, check out Genre Blast out of Virginia. That happens today as this drops, September 3rd. And then you, if you're in the London area, you can check out the new Renaissance that's happening September 24th through the 26th. And then uh, Crystal Palace, which is a film, film theater only, uh, that's, that's coming on down the pike. But Officer Down... Lots of fun. I recommend everybody see it where you can. Simon, is there anything I'm missing here? Uh, no, although I do just want to give a shout out to um, our amazing director of photography, Phil Mayhew, uh, who did an incredible job uh, on the film and certainly made the most of both that location and our limitations that I mentioned earlier when it comes to light. Uh, he made the film look amazing. His you know, past credits for those who don't know, he's worked on Casino Royale, The Mask of Zorro, Entrapment. Like, mm -hmm. he's an incredible director of photography. And, you know, I was fortunate to be able to work with him on this. Um, as he knows, uh, my dad, Roger, who shot it. Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to shout out Tim because, you know, he's definitely didn't need to work on something like this and was very kind to do so. It was an incredible experience, as was also working with Joseph, who played Amir, who I should mention as the, the third of the sort of three-hander that this film is. So Martin, Ben and Joseph were an amazing team. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone gets a chance to see their work. 
And so, so more information can be found on Twitter at Officer Down Film and uh, follow Simon at CBA Productions. That's uh, Charlie Bravo Alpha Productions. As for me, I do some stuff around here. This is the Bosnet.family. We just dropped the kick-ass movie podcast number four, where we brought in Sweet Science Cinema co-host Jamil Hempel, talking Undisputed 2, Michael Jai White, Scott Adkins, me and Master Len Kabazinski break it all down. Speaking about Jamil Hempel, September 29th, we are talking about Denzel Washington in the hurricane. No Cushion Kai for the month of August, as we figured out. No Cushion Kai for September, but we will come back in October. I promise, guys. Pinky swear. Otherwise, for Simon Pierce, I've been Cush Hayes. You've been you. From the Bosnet family. Because even going through a window, I did think was pushing it. But um, 